Thank you uh, for that introduction, my friend. And uh, it is good to be here with you all this morning. And um, yeah, this is my wife, Erica. And we are in the midst of uh, starting a church up in San Luis Obispo. And just uh, been after that kind of calling for about the last nine months. We've been gathering just for the last couple months with people who live on our street, the street behind us. Kind of doing, I know you guys do gospel community, so similar like gospel community, inductive Bible study, sermonette, meal, prayer, those kinds of things are what we're doing. And we're really thankful for the beginning that God's given us and um, really thankful for the partnership that God has brought together here with Element. And uh, I uh, wanted to make sure that you know that uh, this, this sermon that is printed on these pages, you don't know this, but you actually bought the printer that uh, printed these sermon notes out today. So um, set it up last night, works like a charm. So thank you so much for that. And uh, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I, I just look forward to the relationship that God is forging between us and Element and what he's doing here on the Central Coast. And with that, I just want to give you a, a welcome. So I want to welcome you if you are a sinner in the room today. I want to welcome you if you are a sufferer in the room today. And with all that's been said about me and by Aaron, you don't know a whole lot about me, but let me tell you something that you haven't heard yet. If you knew all the thoughts that have gone through my head in the last week, I don't think you'd want to be my friend. I'm being sincere. I'm a sinner too. I have an ugly heart inside me. And so, I need, a, I need a sermon. I need Jesus this morning. Would you pray with me as we open his word? Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it invites us to do. It gives us eyes to see you, to just get a little bit of a better view of who you are. We get who you are wrong, God, as we see, as we'll see today. And so remind us, and don't just remind us, but convince us in a new way, whether it's for the hundredth time or for the very first time. God, convince us of just how much you love us. And so whether people in this room are stuck in a place not wanting to come to you, or if they're slowly moving towards you, or if they're sprinting towards you. God, I pray that you would meet all of us this morning with open arms as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So have you ever heard people say, well, you know, God's ways are not my ways. Normally they're saying something like that, or I've said something like that in a context like, wow, there's a lot going on, and yet God's ways are not my ways. I can't really understand it all. There's a lot of moving parts in his mind, his, his strategies, his plans. He's, he has all these intricate ideas of how everything is working out. I would say something like that about the last nine months of my life, where my wife and I and our kids, we picked up everything we had and, and moved out to Minnesota to pursue some church planting stuff, lived with friends. My sweet little girl, Hope, had night terrors for like two months, where she was up for like an hour or two every night just screaming. 
I was like, well, Lord, like, we're, we're out doing something great for you, and then here's what we get, and oh, okay, well, your ways are not my ways. And then here we are, we come back, my grandmother dies last fall, officiate her, her uh, funeral, end up not being able to go back to Minnesota, that whole door closed, what do we do now, live with family for a bit, then a, a family of uh, some people we've known from ministry decided to open up a home, a place for us to live in slow, in the place where we had hoped to be able to plant a church. And so we've been able to live there for the last like six, seven months. And through that, God's been able to work and the, and the gospel has started to go forth in, in that little neighborhood. And God's been at work and it seems like, well, did I have any of those plans in my head? No. A lot of the things that I thought were going to happen never happened. So we would say, well, God's ways are not our ways, right? That's, a, that's quoting a verse in Isaiah 55. And even though... When we say something like that, we're actually expressing something true, that God's ways, like his mysterious plans and workings, are somehow, are they really and truly are above ours that we can't comprehend all that he's doing? Even though that's true, and you can actually find support from that in different places in the Bible, that's not what's being said in Isaiah 55. And so in this series, you guys are looking at verses being taken out of some context in some way and then being misused. And so what we're going to see instead from Isaiah 55 is that what, what Isaiah means is not that God's ways and his minds, his plans are more complicated and just beyond our ability to understand. That's not the ways. It's not the ways of God's mind, really, that's being talked about here. It's the way of God's heart. The difference is how filled with love and compassion and mercy, God's heart is in comparison to ours. It says that his heart and the ways of his heart are higher, as high as the heavens are above the earth. That's how high it is compared to our natural hearts. Our natural hearts are not filled with mercy, not filled with compassion, and it's in that way that God's ways are not like ours. And so, We'll look at that together, and we're going to walk through Isaiah 55, and then also some verses in Luke chapter 6, and we're going to have three different kind of sections of, of the message this morning, and they're as follows. Number one, really simple, his ways are not our ways, and we'll understand, and we'll see that together from Isaiah 55, and then number two, his ways must be our ways. Hmm. Okay, that might make you scratch your head a little bit. That's intentional, okay? And then finally, the third one is his ways are our ways. So his ways are not our ways. His ways must be our ways. And his ways actually are our ways. So that's a little confusing and intriguing. That's intentional and we'll walk through that and hopefully we'll see this together. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to just read Isaiah 55 verses 6 through 9. And I just encourage you to uh, read along with me. Just follow along as I read it out loud. So Isaiah here says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord in order that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Because, for my thoughts, 
says God, are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So, why has this verse been misused? Where's the error? Where, are we, where have we gotten it wrong when we use it to say, well, God's ways are mysterious and we can't totally understand it? What's the error? Well, we're not reading something in the context right, but what are we not reading rightly? Well, I think we're, it's actually not the case that we're, we're missing something in the historical context. Or like, well, because this was written in the Old Testament, then we're getting it wrong in the way that we're using it in the New Testament. Because this statement... God's ways are not our ways. That's like that's a true statement that's true anytime, any place, anywhere. Just like the statement God is holy. That's true yesterday, today and forever. Just like this. God's ways are not our ways. And so, it's not a, a, a misuse of historical context. It's not like, well, that applied to the Jews and the way that we're using it today is not is not right because we're in the church age or something like that. So what is the error? It's not historical, it's not literary, it's actually the logical context. So the logic is what we're missing. It's Isaiah's argument, it's what he's saying. Because we're getting that, that phrase, his ways are not our ways, but we're missing what starts that phrase. That word for, which means because. It's a, that means that what follows that word for is the grounding statement. It's supporting, it's like a foundation, what came before. So this is true because of this. So that's the mistake that we're making. And I want to see the logic with you. So look closely. We're going to just walk through this text and, and try to see what Isaiah is saying. Here in the second, second kind of book of Isaiah, the book of comfort here in Isaiah 55. So read with me. Just follow along. Verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him. While he is near, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. So first here we see that sinners, me, you, we should return to the Lord. We should seek him out. That's the call. That's the command. Come to the Lord. Return to him. Seek the Lord. Come and do this. For if you have wicked ways, depart from them. Don't go with them any longer. Say goodbye to those wicked ways. Just a, about a week ago, week and a half ago, I think, I had a birthday. And it was a rough weekend for me. It was actually a weekend where I was kind of in, has any, you don't have to raise your hand, but I will. Has anybody ever been in like a place where they just feel really blue? Like a deep pit that you're just stuck in? Even like depressed? That's where I was like my birthday weekend. And what I, what I was feeling was this. It was something like, oh, God, my life is harder than I want it to be. Things are too rough. I want my walk of faith to be like a walk, a skip through a park. Not a, I don't want to run a race. I don't want to fight the fight of faith. I want this to be easier. God, look how much I'm sacrificing for you. Look how many risks I'm taking for you. And this is how it's going to go? Huh. What Isaiah is saying to me in that place is, forget that, Ben. Turn from that, Ben. Turn from that self-focus. You see how self-focused that is? 
I'm the one who's got all the problems in the world. It's all about me. And yeah, there were some hard things going on. But I was stuck in this place. And Isaiah is saying to people like me, Ben, forsake that way. Turn. Return to the Lord. But I kind of like being in that pit sometimes. Because it feels so like it's all about me in the pit. Why? Why should we turn to the Lord? Isaiah tells us in the next phrase, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, for what reason? That the Lord may have compassion on him. And to our God, because he will just barely pardon. No, what does it say? Because he will abundantly pardon. He will abundantly pardon me. And, and that's a nice thing to hear, but sometimes when you're in that pit, it just doesn't feel like it's true. I feel like God's like, really? Again, Ben? You're in? Come on, man. Get your act together. That's the kind of response. But Isaiah's saying something else. He's saying, Return, return to the Lord. Come to him so that he can have compassion on you. Come to him so that he can abundantly pardon you. And Isaiah, I think, knows that we're not going to be convinced to do this by just those encouragements. So he grounds those commands, those actions upon who God is. And that's what we find in the next verses, in verses 8 and 9. So he says, do this. If you're a sinner, run to God because he's ready to have compassion on you. He's ready to abundantly pardon you. And here is why. Verse 8. Because God's thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways, neither are God's ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So what then does this mean? It means that, friends, God is nothing like us. Friends, it means that the way that I would respond to myself in that situation is not how God is prepared to respond to me in that situation. Does that make sense? The only other place in the Bible where that, those words of for as high as the heavens are above the earth is used is Psalm 103 verse 11. And this is what it says. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him, towards those who seek him, towards those who return to him, towards those who won't run away from him and never turn back. But why? Why are we so slow to return to the Lord? Are there places in your life, certain struggles in your life, certain sinful patterns in your life, certain places of suffering in your life where it's just so slow, so hard for you to actually bring that to the Lord. The reason why it's so hard for us is that we make a mistake with who we think God is. We're made in God's image, right? But we actually make the mistake of making God out in our image. We make God in our image. We think that he's like us. We think that he's going to respond to a sinner returning to him like we would respond to a sinner returning to us. 
we think that our heavenly father is like our earthly fathers around us. So let me just try to explain that. So when my kids make a mistake, and they do, like my son Clay. Clay, hands are not for hitting. You hit your brother in the face. That's not good, okay? When I say that to him, sometimes he'll, what will he do? Sometimes he'll go and he'll hide under a blanket on the couch. Okay. Or with my son, Keller, sometimes he doesn't go and hide physically under a blanket, but he'll go and hide behind some words. He'll, he'll, he'll do something that's wrong. He'll break something or drop something and, or you know, break something that somebody else is playing with, and he'll say, oh, it was an accident, when it actually wasn't an accident. So he's hiding behind his words. Now, my kids, they're little sinners, just like all of your little kids, if you don't know. (laughs) But my kids are little sinners. Notice that I didn't mention my daughter, Hope, because she's an angel, okay? (laughs) But my boys and Hope, they have their issues. They all have broken, sinful hearts, just like me and just like you. And they have their issues, right? But... I think it's fair and right to ask in that situation, in what ways am I contributing to their reactions? If they knew that I would always have a gentle heart, that I would would never raise my voice, would they go and hide and feel like they need to cover up? Maybe still, but not as often, I think. Last night, Keller wanted some food while he was in bed, which is a rule that we don't do in our house because many reasons. (laughs) So we had a little discussion about this. That discussion started to sound like, Keller, we don't have food in our beds because we don't want bugs in our beds because we don't want to have that happen. This is not going to happen. And I found myself getting to this place of having a discussion that kind of turned into me being frustrated. Not kind of. I was frustrated. And I had this text in my mind, and I actually came to the point of saying to him, Keller, I, and I said it just like this, Keller, I really want to be gentle with you right now, but it's really difficult to be gentle because we've been having these conversations for 10 minutes, and you need to go to sleep. <clears throat> True confessions, okay? So, and amazingly, and truly amazingly, Somehow, God used that, as broken and as sinful as that was, to cause Keller to and lean over and give me a hug and stop complaining, stop asking for food, to say sorry, and to say, I love you, Dad, and go to sleep. Just that, as broken of a, of a, <laughs> of a replica as broken of an imitation as that was of God's heart, it was enough for my son to lean over and receive his father's love, as broken as it was in that moment. So, our issue is that we do this with God. We make him out to respond, not quick to, you know, quick to, quick to we make him out to be quick to anger. 
just like we are. We make him out to be slow to mercy, just like we are. And that's why our responses to God, when we're sinners, when we're sufferers, when we have our wicked ways and we need to turn to him, we turn so slowly or we go so long away from God that it takes us, and then finally we turn back to him. There was a time when I was in college where I made some mistakes with a girlfriend that I had. And I was like that, I was that such a good Christian boy kind of kid, okay? Like I was the rule follower kid, okay? I grew up with like parents and education. I did everything right. And I made some, some big mistakes. You know what was so sad about those mistakes? Is that I didn't bring them to Jesus and allow him to heal me for seven years. Instead, do you know what I thought my heavenly father was waiting to do? Drop an anvil on me. Just ruin my Christian life. Somehow blow up my seminary experience. That no one could ever love me if they knew. Or affirm that I'm, I'm called to go and do this gospel preaching thing with my life. My slowness to admit my wrongs and come to God was based on the fact that I thought that he was up there ready to hammer me. What a wrong view of God. Making him out in my own, making him to be made in my image, in my likeness, when he's nothing like that. The ways of God's heart are not the ways of our hearts, of our broken hearts. Is there a place in your life where it's just so hard for you to run to the Father? I would bet that part of the reason why it's so hard is because you're not yet convinced that he really is this merciful, that he really is this compassionate towards those who are sinners and know it and long for him to help. Blessed are those whose help is the Lord, whose hope is in the God of Jacob. Notice, not blessed are those who do every single thing right in their lives, but those who know they can't and that they need God. So, have you made your heavenly father in your own image or in your earthly father's image? Do you expect... uh, icy, cold shoulder from him or a warm, welcoming embrace when you come running back for the thousandth time or for the very first time? Well, if the sermon ended right there, we could be in a place of maybe being prone to cheap grace. Like, God, I'm so glad that you just, you know, kind of gloss over somehow all my mistakes and And I'm never going to be like you. Your ways are not my ways, so I don't ever have to treat anybody like the way that you treat me, right? I can just kind of carry on and run to you quickly. Is that the gospel? No, it's not the gospel. The gospel not not only saves us, it transforms us from the inside out. Yeah, we can't do these things given the natural heart, the natural broken heart that's within us. But if God gives us a new heart, we can. So, even though his ways are not our ways, 
Jesus says in Luke 6 that his ways, the ways of God, this way of mercy and grace and compassion, quick to abundantly pardon, those ways must be our ways. So turn with me to Luke 6. We're going to start in verse 32 and just be ready because Jesus is talking to his followers, okay? And there's a contrast that's going on in this passage. Jesus is speaking to those who want to follow him. And yet these are people who are broken and sinful people like me and you. And the comparison that Jesus is making is between those who are seeking to follow him and know that they need him and those who are in this text referred to as sinners. So the contrast is not between those who live perfectly and those who are just a bunch of wretched sinners. Do you see? The difference instead is those who know that they need Jesus and run to him with all that they can, making mistakes along the way, but always coming back, and those who don't think they need Jesus, who don't want to admit that they need help. That's the contrast. Godliness and godlessness is not perfectly right action and a bunch of sinful people. It's those who say, God, I need you. And those who say, God, I don't care about you at all. So in this passage, we're just going to walk through it together, starting in verse 32, seeing that his ways must be our ways, and that amazingly, God has set the bar for where our heart should be at the same height as his. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. You love other people in your family who love you back? Jesus says, that's not godly love, that's godless love. Even people who are far from me do that. They love to be loved in return. This for that, quid pro quo. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do that. That's, that's godless good. That's a, just having a fair deal. Well, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. That's not godliness. That's not faith. That's not the gospel. That's just fairness, says Jesus. And if you lend, it gets harder. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. The same amount, not even with interest, just the same amount. That's godless generosity. Okay, I'll loan you this, but I need it back. Yeah, that's a fair, just transaction, but that's not godliness. Even sinners do that. Do you see the, the kind of the scarcity mindset in there? It's like there's not a whole lot of resources out there, not a whole lot of love and goodness and, and, and riches out there, so I need to keep whatever I have for myself. And if I give it out, I need to make sure I'm going to get it back because, man, there, there's not a whole lot of, of, of love and, and goodness out there and, and riches, and so i got to keep what I have because... Whew. Can you get the feel of that? So that's what Jesus is saying. Don't do that. But if you're like me, I'm like, well, that's what my ways sound like. That's how I think often. Just like that. Here's what Jesus says instead. But love your enemies. Love those who hate your guts. Love those who will do what they can to tear you down. Love those who don't give a rip 
about you, your future, or your family. Love your enemies. That's godly love. And do good. Notice, no qualifier. Do good indiscriminately. Do good all the time. Do good to everyone. Abound in doing good, as Paul would say later. Do good. Third, and lend, expecting half in return. Is that what it says? And lend, expecting nothing in return. Okay, Jesus, really? We're supposed to live this way. Well, here's the promise. If you do this, then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. Well, that's, that's good, but impossible. So what does it mean to be sons of the Most High? For He, the, the Most High, is kind. He's kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So Jesus is saying, if you live this way, if you love your enemies, if you do good to all and at all times, and you lend expecting nothing in return, then you're going to show what God is like to the world. You're going to look like his child because that's what he's like. He's kind to the ungrateful and the evil, like me and like you. Then Jesus ends by saying, Be merciful, even as, in the same way, that your Father is merciful. How could we ever live this way, you guys? We've already established that God's ways are not our ways. But clearly his ways must be our ways. How does this work? I think that Jesus' hearers on this day would have been like, dude, seriously? My heart is supposed to act like that? That's impossible. Yeah, on our own, it's impossible. We'll never be able to have God's ways be our ways unless we all know that by faith in Jesus, His ways, when He walked this earth the first time, all those ways, all that love for His enemies, God forgive them as He was pinned to that cursed tree. God forgive them for they know not what they do. All that love for His enemies is yours. All that goodness that Jesus did, healing all those people, caring for people who were important and not important. Men, women, kids, everybody, foreigners, Israelites, Romans, whoever. Caring all that goodness that he did in his life, by faith, that is yours in Jesus Christ. And then his generosity. What did Jesus give? He gave his life. He gave us life. He died a sinner's death, wicked, wretched, on a cross, cursed for us. The Father's face turns away from him so that it would never be turned away from us. Friends, his ways, amazingly, by faith, are our ways. This is the only way that his ways can actually be our ways when we feel that abundance, when we are not in a scarcity mindset, but in an abundance mindset, when we feel that love that he has for us personally, when we receive his goodness, when we receive the riches 
of what it means to be a child of God. That is how our ways can actually be his ways. You see in the text, look again. Jesus says, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. You've got to do this just right to be a son of the Most High because he's kind to the ungrateful and the evil. But then look at what Jesus says here. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. So Jesus is saying, it's a condition up there in the top verse for you to be a son of God. You have to live this way. But then he goes and calls them, says that they have a father at the end. So is there a condition or not? It can only work if there is a one true son of the Most High, Jesus Christ, who when the father looks at Ben Collins, he doesn't see that anger and that slowness to forgive. He doesn't see those mistakes that I made in college. He doesn't see those years of shame that I lived. Instead, he sees brilliant, bright, glorious Jesus Christ righteousness as mine. That's how it works. You can only be a son, an heir to the throne of grace, through the one true son himself, Jesus Christ. And if that's yours, if that is yours, your heart has been made new and you now have all that you need to actually live this way. Not perfectly, but truly live this way. You can love even your enemies knowing that even they can't separate you from the love of God that is for you in Christ Jesus, your Lord. You can love your enemies knowing that they're going to harm you, knowing that they're going to slander you, knowing that they're going to push you down because nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's the only way. You can do good indiscriminately, doing good to people who will never do good back to you. Not just, I'll open this door for you, so you open this door for me. No, you can do good. You can be used by other people in a way You can do that when you know and trust that there is a heavenly father who says that he's working all things together for your good, for good in your life. You don't have to corral your goodness and keep it for yourself when the heavenly father that you have through faith in Jesus says that he's going to bring about goodness no matter what. You can go and do good at great cost to yourself. And you can lend, expecting nothing in return because you have been made so very rich in Christ. In 1 Peter, Peter says, there are things that the people of God will inherit that angels long to look into. They just, they just want to see these glorious beings. They want to peek into what God has in store for those who are his children. How much value? Put a price tag on those who shall inherit the earth. What's the price tag of of inheriting the earth? Sure, like LeBron James and Tiger Woods, they were just named as new billionaires by Forbes. Great, awesome. How does that compare to inheriting the entire earth? Jesus says in just verses before this, the meek shall inherit the earth, friends. Those who mourn now shall laugh. Those who hunger will be satisfied. 
those who are struck down for the name of Jesus will be raised up and exalted. It's only by faith in the Son of God and by trusting in the delight that the Father has for us because when he looks at you, he doesn't just say, I love you. He says, I like you. As broken as you are, come to me. Return to me because I will abundantly pardon. I am ready with compassion. As the band comes up, I just want to invite you to think through your running to God or not. Are you running to him? Have you made God in your image? Or are you willing to accept that he really does love and delight in you like the verses that we just read? So what we're going to do is we're going to come to a place, a picture of that delight for us. We're going to come and see the price that was paid so that we might actually have that assurance that nothing can separate us from his love as we come to communion, as we come to remember the body that was broken for us, the blood that was shed for us so that we could be made clean. And so as we take this time of communion, you can come up here, take some bread, dip it in the wine, juice, and, and, and just re- let that be a reminder to you of the price that was paid, the generosity of God to make you his child. If you'd like gluten-free or single-serve options, those are in the back. And I just want you to, as you come into that place, would you just quietly, as the band plays, would you quietly just seek to enter the presence of God? Come into the presence of your heavenly fathers whose ways are not your ways. And through that time, just enjoy that forgiveness. Confess your sins to him. And just enjoy that that incredible love that he has for you. And as, as we go on, if you feel like, like giving this morning is part of the way that you want to worship. There are boxes here. Element doesn't pass the plate, but you can give in those boxes in the room here as well. And I just want to invite you to make this a time of worship as, as you just come before the Lord, and as we prepare to sing, get your hearts right before the Lord. And may you just be convinced in a fresh way that he loves you. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your love for us, that you don't just barely pardon us, but you, in your heart, no one's forcing you to be this way. It's just who you are. You are ready to abundantly pardon. You are ready to have compassion on the wicked, on people like us, who turn from you all the time, who are self-centered, who are astray and wandering. And so God, correct the broken image, restore the broken image of who you are in our own minds. Help us just to even see a picture of you right now. In the quietness of this moment, just show us just what expression, what posture your body has towards us, Father. Are your arms crossed? Is your look stern? Or are your arms open? And is there a smile? God, restore what's wrong in our minds about who you are. 
and renew our minds. And through that, God, make us a people that really show ourselves to be children of the Most High God by the way that we love our enemies, that we do good, that we lend expecting nothing in return. And God, I do want to thank you for Element Church and the way in which I've seen them and in, the, in their generosity demonstrate that they truly that they truly are your children and the way that they're supporting what, what we're seeking to do in slow. God, thank you for their incredible support, prayer, partnership, and just the picture that they are of you in this world today. And so, Lord, as we just prepare to come to this table, would you meet us? Would you captivate our hearts with your love once again? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.